Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me this week, the three boys are back in town, Dan Healy, Rob Newell, Lee Dobbs. How are we, boys? I'm as good as always. (laughs) Yes, I'm very well, thank you. I'm really good, Pete. I'm just waiting to see uh, which other podcast is going to pick me up on the Rule 5. Ooh! Ooh! <laughs> Are you available? I thought I'd covered you. I thought yeah, I'd no, sent you, out a qualifying you, offer. You didn't. You didn't put me on the 40-man, so I'm, I'm languishing in, in Clinton <laughs> at the moment. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <With> the... <laughs> Free. Those lumber kings. <laughs> good man. Guys... Great to have you back. It's been six weeks, would you believe, since we last mm. since we last spoke. Um, there's been a lot that's been going on in the world of baseball. Um, I've wrote down a few things here, or a few topics we're going to get stuck into today. And it goes a little bit like this. It's the World Series, the wind surge, and Zach Wheeler, question mark, question mark, apostrophe, question mark, question mark. We'll come to Zach Wheeler later and what that means, if it means anything at all. But anyway, guys, we'll, we'll, we need to round up the World Series and the way that played out. Um, following that, it's important for us to, to get stuck into the Wichita wind surge. Really rolls off the tongue, that one. I know Rob Newell is absolutely chomping at the bit to get stuck into that one and, and, and the blowback on that name. Um, pardon the pun on that one. <laughs> Um, then we we need to kind of focus in on the Marlins and what the what the priorities are this offseason and I guess that will that will go into the 40-man decisions we need to make then into what free agency options there are and equally what trades may be considered from a Marlins perspective so plenty to get stuck into guys um, I've thrown out as well to the uh, to our listeners uh, and via Twitter, just asking for any any questions. And we've had some. We've had some replies, would you believe? So people are still listening, <laughs> firstly, which is great. Um, and actually, one thing just to mention before we get stuck in, um, I haven't been massively looking at our, our listener stats since uh, since we posted the last pod six weeks ago. But actually, when I've gone back in, I've seen that everyone, well, that the, the previous pods, the last couple, have all been getting really good traction and loads more listeners. So what that says to me is we haven't been doing enough pods. Everyone's been craving and maybe listening back to old ones. So here we are for you guys. Um, Twitter questions. I'm going to start with one. So we're not going to end with them. I think we need to start with one because it ties into the World Series. And it's from our good friend Rob um, at Nats UK. Surprise, surprise, he's feeling pretty chipper at the moment because, as we know, uh, the Nats prevailed in what was a pretty strange World Series with with no home team getting a win throughout the whole series and taking it 4-3. So, incredible result. But let's start there, guys. Rob wants to know, 
how much do you love the Nats winning the World Series? <laughs> the love armature for the first time. Um, I'll, I'll come to you first, Rob, and I think that's the right place to start on this one. Bearing in mind your view going into the season on the Nats and the likely grenade that was going to be required to blow up that, that team and that roster. In reality, they went all the way and took it home, mate. So, love Amateur on the Nats winning? It's really tricky to think because you don't want to... I like the underdog. I always do uh, in any sport, uh, going through and winning. And, and why not? Because the Marlins were the underdogs twice and came through and, and won. No one thought the Nationals were going to win it. Um, and I would actually probably, if you go back maybe a, into August... No one would have thought that the Nationals had even got in via the wild card either. Um, it was it, it was in some ways quite similar to the way that the Marlins have done it in the past, going, you know, a good late surge, mm. getting in, winning the wild card and wa- wa- working your way through. Um, so from that perspective, you know, there's a there's a lot of love there. I, do I have to count out of 10 to, in the loveometer? Is that how it works? I think it's one to sixty-nine from memory. One to sixty-nine, right? <laughs> well, and um, I, I, I uh, yeah, where do I go from here? Um, yeah, so uh, I, I will go. Uh, I'll go halfway, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what halfway is on the love amateur. So, uh, well, back on the cheek, maybe. A Thirty-four and a half. Um, no, um, it's, uh, yeah, anyway, because um, I, I like Scherzer, I like Strasbourg, I like Rendon. There's, there's players in there you look through and you really like Zimmerman. You know, what a story, a one-man guy, a uh, one-team guy, and, you know, and he was really good during the whole, um, you know, postseason. So, um, you know, I, I think the Astros threw it away. I think they could have uh, brought Cole on, um uh, you know, as relief in that final game, and I think it could have been a bit different. Um, you know, I think he could have been brought on for the sixth. Um, it's very, very strange uh, what happened to the Astros, especially at home, where they they they're normally so dominant. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, thirty-four and a half is my uh, my love ometer for the Nationals. <laughs> there we go, um, Lee. Just to to kind of make this relevant. From a Marlins perspective, just I, I think what we saw in the you know the World Series contestants, both obviously the the Astros and the Nats, was the loaded rotations these guys these teams had, and kind of baseball and the teams that were contending hadn't really massively been focusing in on that. I wouldn't say in the past couple of years, but what we did see this year is pitching really kind of one out are the Marlins right to be focusing in in on their pitching still yeah I'll I'll say that you know that's the way the way to go I know that that pitchers get injured more often but also yeah they, they might be but they might be, be harder to, to also you know, change up because you also get I mean they said it before that how that pitching wins you know in the the postseason so so you you always need need that dominant one two punch you know, you know, top of top of the rotation. You know, take take the first the first two games. You know, of a series, and you know, you're halfway there. 
So the Marlins are, I think, are right to, fo- to focus on the the pitching side more than the the hitting. But but of course, you do need you know you know a few good bats as well in there. Yeah. But the bats also you know they go hot and cold a bit more. So 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 the the, the pitching gen you know you know you know, does stay stay strong throughout as you know as the the Nats showed. Yeah, and that showed when we played them the Nats. Yeah, when we played them throughout the year, the Nats were always just a real tough matchup for us. Yeah. Just the rotation, we said it every time. You know, rotation is just scary. Top of the rotation, it's just so hard to beat those those top three guys. So, I guess it played out in the end. And well, they had a couple of standout performances, like Howie Kendrick turned yeah. up big time for them. More on him later because <laughs> he's a free agent. So, yeah. wow. He he actually could well fit the Marlins' profile in in many ways. So, but yeah, they you know it was pitching one out, and you know let's not forget the Astros equally. Their rotation was yeah. was yeah. impressive as well, yeah, as well. And you know it was it was a it real just it was a battle of just two awesome yeah, rotations. Yeah. And and I do agree with, with with Rob why they didn't go to Cole. You know, in that 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 inning, I don't know, or or even keep. Who was it? Grinky in? Because I mean, he'd only given up that one, you know, shot. So, you know, his pitch count was still only what seventy-ish, I think. So mm. why? So why they felt the need to take him out there and then? You know, not sure. Analytics gone crazy, mate. Yeah, it was. Lost yeah. their heads. Com- computer says no, and computer yeah. was wrong. <laughs> I think. Um, quick one then, mate. We are you happy to see the Nats win, or would you prefer the Astros? Uh, yeah, in terms of playing the Astros, yeah, I'd, I'd rather the Nats. Actually, in terms of you know our, our NL East foes, I mean, I hate the Braves. They're, they're the team mm-hmm. I hate the most out of our NL East teams. Then yeah. the Phillies, yeah, the Mets and Nats, I don't mind. So yeah, in, yeah, I'd I'd agree with Rob about halfway there, <laughs> thirty-four and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's it. A lot of a lot of halfway houses here, guys. Um, down the man. Talk to me about the Braves going out early, and how happy that made you feel. Yeah, as uh, as as Lee just said, I, I'm first of all really, I'm happy that uh, the Nats won because um, you know I, I like to see the, the guys in our division do well, and the only exception to that is the Braves. So um, to see the, to see them go out early was uh, was delightful. So um, yeah, the I'll, way they lost as well that first sorry? inning, <laughs> the way they lost as well. Yeah, like ten run. Lovely. First inning or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, brutal. Yeah, so, yeah, from from what was a brilliant season for them to yeah to go out first knocking yeah. was, was particularly <laughs> pleasing, and then and then also for for the Nationals to be that far back and to come through all the way through from you know to wild card way into to win the World Series just yeah. to rub salt in the in the wound was uh, was fantastic. So uh, yeah, I'm really pleased for them, and I agree with everything you've just said there. With you know, the Marlins are sort of testament to this, that if you haven't got good uh, pitching, you're not going to be successful in, base- in baseball. You can have all the power at one end. If you if you can't uh, uh, defend it at the other end, you're not going to do well. And I think that with both um, the Astros and, and the Nats, you know, that's that just shows you that's the blueprint. If you get the pitching right, you're going to do very well. And they did. So I, I was really pleased for them. Yeah. Are you, are you more than 34 and a half on the loveometer then? Yeah, I'll, I'll go slightly more because I'm, I'm, you know, a little, little bit more positive. So I'll, uh, yeah, I'll go uh, three quarters of the way. Well done, well there done, you go. Matt. Your, your first, your first World Series. That's 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 brilliant. Well done, you. Yeah. 
There you go. Still one behind the Marlins, though, so. Exactly. There we go. Okay, cool. Well, that, that I guess, rounds off the World Series uh, itself. Um, sorry, actually, i got to give my loveometer. And actually, I was... I liked a lot about the Astros. I liked the Astros team and lineup and everything about them. I expected them actually to win it only because I I didn't think the Nats would get there. But when the Nats actually got there, I then kind of switched allegiances a little bit and was kind of rooting for them guys. There's a lot of kind of good stories in that in that lineup and that team. Uh, and obviously we see them regularly and uh, converse with, with the Nats UK guys. So yeah, I, I was similar. I, I wouldn't say I was the full, you know, it's hard to fully embrace someone else, some other team, but yeah, I was, you know, I was a good 68 out of 69, maybe, on the love armature. <laughs> so there you go. Um, it's fair to say, though, um, there's been some interesting developments, let's say, around the Astros and World Series or postseason uh, activity or historical ones anyway. Um, Lee, I think this was an area you were you wanted to touch upon. Yeah, so I'll, 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 I'll just kind of put the question to, I mean, obviously for those that don't know, the Astros now, well, there seems to be proof that they were sign-stealing in the 2017 World Series, you know, and they were doing it through a TV monitor and a camera in the centre field yeah, we, we, and, and then they were banging the dugout with bats, or they were like banging something with bats to like, you know, just to show what, you know, you know, what pitch was coming. And I mean, the Yankees also this year did say that that they thought the Astros were, you know, stealing signs and 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 banging bats, you know, in in their series as well. So it sort of started then, and now now it's now has has snowballed in. Mm. So I was I was just just wondering what your thoughts all were, you know. Is it something or nothing? Is it something that every team does, or or have they gone too far by using the camera rather than just just doing it? You know, with, you know, with a man on on second, uh, how 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 like sort of you know you know being done done before, and if, and if so, what punishments you know could there be be levied down, and does it make you view their win you know in twenty seventeen differently now, with you know, you know talks of cheating or or how bad is it you know, you know in general really? For you know, you know, for them. Good question, mate. Good question. Well summarized, actually, in terms of <laughs> what the what the issue is that's been highlighted. I I think I'll I'll take a first stab at it, and just 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 to, I guess to add on to where you summarized that was the my understanding as well was the MLB actually introduced some sort of rules post twenty eighteen on the back of team feedback to say you know, how they'll handle or deal with um, sign stealing, particularly with electronic monitors and all that type of stuff, and basically writing it into the rules to say that you can't do that. So what that says to me is that the, that MLB knew about it mm-hmm. and uh, because they've then implemented something post-discovering it, it says to me they knew about it. That's just, I, I think, just my yeah. take on it. Um, my gut feel would be, and I don't know what the other guys think, but my gut feel would be that it wouldn't just be localized to the Astros that would be doing this. Um, am I right? Just to kind of go back to it, though, am I right in thinking that there was the sign that they were giving was like sometimes banging bins together or something? Yeah. A bit like, 
what was that band that that used to use bins and you know <laughs> do you know the guys I'm on about were they called Stomp or something or that, yeah Stomp do you remember them yeah I got that a picture in my head of the guys walking around with like you know bin cans neck between their legs and knocking their knees together and you know creating a sign but um, anyway yeah that that's just my kind of you know in terms of whether they knew or whether it's true I think there's definitely smoke coming fully out of the Astros camp and my, I'd be interested to know what, what the other guys think and equally how widespread we think it is. Well, in regards to the sort of a little bit of a background onto this, the Red Sox were caught in 2017 against the Yankees um, using um, Apple Watches, uh, apparently, to steal signs. So uh, there was, I, I, I can't remember how the story exactly went, but there could there were players or coaches within the uh, the dugout who, from their Apple Watch, could uh, uh, tell what the sign was. Obviously, from someone else um, viewing in the outfield um, or in the stands. So um, they were fined an undisclosed amount. And Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, then sort of came down to the other thirty teams and said, "Look, you cannot do this, or there will be punishments." And since then, it's gone a little bit quiet. But stealing signs has been a, a thing in baseball that, go, that goes back years and years and years and years. And um, there's always been an attempt to steal signs because obviously you get an advantage. If you can tell what sign the catcher is giving the pitcher and you can work out exactly what that is, because they change signs about, you know, you sometimes see them sort of one finger, two finger, moving things around and all the rest of it, then it's not always the same. They, the, the, the catcher and, and uh, the pitcher will, 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 you know, talk together or practice together and, and have different ways where each inning it could be different. And that sign has to be then normally communicated through uh, where the bench is and the, the pitching coach will say, no, you know, they'll look at the analytics and think, right, Lewis Brinson's coming up. We know he doesn't like it away, and they'll signal that across. So it, it's, it's doesn't need analytics of, for that. <laughs> no, but you know, that's 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 the kind of way it works. So anyone who can actually go and steal those signs, and you've got that advantage, because then to the bat you can say, "Oh right, okay, you know, I know what they're going to try and do." Or the other way round, then um, you, you can find a, a method of of getting the uh, the, the bat out quicker. But um, what happens from here, I don't know, because there's there's been a couple of people who've clearly gone and done a lot of research in it. MLB are investigating. I'd imagine this will go somewhere, but I think it must be incredibly difficult to prove. And it's got it's got that hint of conspiracy theory about it because the Astros at the moment have turned into public enemy number one after all the issues they've had. Oh, not the PR wise. Yeah, their yeah. PR has been pretty disastrous ever since they they signed uh, Azuna, but um, and since then, um, so uh, they are now um, yeah public enemy number one. And but I'm pretty sure other teams do it. Obviously, maybe not as successfully as they had. Mm. Mm-hmm. Dan, I've got one for you, mate. Just as a just a follow up on Lee's question here. This this obviously stems from the fact that signs are given, you know, manually. Let's say. Fingers in the dirt, fingers in the groin, whatever. Um, we all watch the NFL, give or take, and there's an element, a, quite a sizable element of that, that's you know play calling through microphones in helmets and whatnot. What's to say in the future 
that they don't enable devices where the manager, the bench, whoever wants to communicate with the catcher and the pitcher, an open mic could say, right, yeah, slider away, no signs given, pitch away. Is, a, is it an well, option? It, well, it could be. I mean, the technology is there <laughs> you know, to, for that to happen. I, I, just, I think that the only thing I don't, I don't like about this story is the the fact that technology is involved that that sounds really like it's underhand like having cameras that are being used at center field that you know to, to work out this advantage um that's what stinks a bit about this i think anything that you know where you you know you can try and be clever and savvy on the field and see what you can maybe work out in 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 a fair as way you can but as soon as technology is involved i think that's taking it to a different level and i think that that's what sits uncomfortably with me about this story because in, in theory surely whatever way you want to look at it that's it's a form of cheating isn't it you know they're they're, they're using technology to try and mm-hmm. work out what's going on and as rob yeah. said you know if you can if you can if you know what pitch is coming how much more of an advantage can you get than that so um yeah i mean possibly you could look at taking something that you know leaf out of the nfl's book but but you know, it should it, it shouldn't come to it, should it? It's just it, it doesn't sit right with me. It's, it all, underhand things like that is is not good for the sport you know, or any sport in general. Yeah, I, when when I heard of it, and just talking about it now, the first thing that came to my mind was the the Patriots Spygate stuff yeah. <laughs> from a few years ago. It was that. It's in that kind of area in many ways, isn't it? Where you're using technology or photography or whatever to. I guess, cheat in many ways to understand what they're planning, what their game plan is, which is in effect what sign stealing is. It's trying to understand what is about to come at you. Um, Gives you a better chance. So, yeah, interesting. The punishment is going to be the interesting one Mm -hmm. because, you know, you may get the calls of, well, if if the Astros have proven to do this along the way in 2017 in the postseason or the World Series or whatever – you know, could you strip them of a World Series title? I could never see it coming to that. And the reason being, I have a feeling that if you start to dig a bit deeper in other in other clubs, you'd find similar activity. Yeah. And in reality, you'd end up having to award it to the Marlins. Um, yeah. you know, you keep going down the list. And, yeah, you know, I agree. <laughs> I agree. There was there was a similar sort of thing in the um in the cricket, wasn't there, with the with the ball tampering thing. Um, with the Australians that got um, found out and obviously got massive bans. And then there was um, some footage that emerged about they used it a couple of years earlier in the Ashes and they was demanding that we had the Ashes back and all that. Lot. And I'm sure that it's the same sort of scenario that you just said there. I think if you started digging into it, you're, where, where would this end? And yeah, you'd end up with everyone just being stripped of all titles almost. That's yeah. it. The Braves may get another one finally. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? All right, guys. Well, Lee... Good question, mate, and it's very topical, so enjoyed that one. And let's let's kind of move on from World Series into, you know, some more Marlins-specific stuff here. And I think probably our biggest news thus far, rightly or wrongly, but our biggest news is the announcement of the Wichita wind surge. Rob Newell, please discuss. <laughs> 
So I think the best way of tackling this one um, <laughs> is just to go a little bit of history for any of our listeners who, who don't know. So um, our AAA team, uh, the, the team that lays below uh, the Marlins, um, is, uh, used to be in New Orleans. Uh, they were the New Orleans Zephyrs. They were uh, the Zephyrs from 93 to 2016. And the, the Zephyrs, they'd moved into their new ballpark, the Shrine on Airline. And um, at the time, that was a, a you know a state-of-the-art, purpose-built facility. Um, of course, time moves on. And the Marlins, uh, let's say their, their farm system's been poor for many years, ignoring... I've had Stanton come through and Yelich, and there's been some, you know, brilliant, you know, Fernandez. There's been some great, great players that have come through, but by and large, the quality hasn't been good enough for the teams to be successful. So um, New Orleans had dwindling crowds. Also, the facilities were starting to get old as you go into about, you know, sort of uh, the last few years. So they changed their name to the New Orleans Baby Cakes, uh, which was very confusing as no one knew what a baby cake was. It had a very, very scary logo of um, a baby with a crown, and it was just really weird. Um, and um, lo and behold, after one year of a little bit of merch uh, increase in sales and uh, a few more bums on seats, the whole thing fell away. And um, also, uh, the, the baby cakes weren't very good to watch either in general. So... Um, with this old facility uh, and uh, with a new regime with, with Jita taking over, they decided to uh, move and they went out to Wichita. Now, uh, Wichita had a, uh, a minor league team in the past. Um, it was called the Wranglers. Uh, they then changed their name to the Wingnuts uh, and then they left. <laughs> yeah. So, Love it. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, they, were, they were with, unsurprisingly, part of the royal system at the time, I believe. Um, and, um, but uh, the, they left in 2007, I think, uh, to go over to Arkansas. So it was, um, that, that was the end of that and, uh, and uh, the uh, uh, minor league baseball in Wichita. So there was a lot of excitement because there was a brand new purpose-built facility uh, Wichita obviously is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a long, long way away from New Orleans. It's a long, long way away from Miami, but it's central in the US. Um, and is it uh, Kansas, Kansas State, right? Is, yeah. So you're talking um, sort of really between um, sort of uh, I, if, if you can just sort of draw a line, I suppose, sort of between sort of I, I don't know, like Dallas and Denver. It's in the middle if that gives you any kind of uh, geographical help for any of our uh, listeners in the UK. Um, so, um, yeah, it's about eight hour drive from Denver and about six hours from Dallas. So it gives you, and I think it's about sort of three, three hours away from uh, Kansas city. So it, it's, it's, it, it's in a, a very strange place. Um, so anyway, so what then happened was they, there was a bit of a tease on Twitter where they, um, um, started to reveal these logos and different names and um, it was all kind of a, a bit of a, a, a build-up on what the actual team was going to be called so what I'm going to do okay considering that they were announced as the wind surge I'm going to go around 
the horn, so to speak, and um, ask you which of these names you preferred. OK, so these are the names that they, they announced on Twitter as teases with their own logos uh, before they finally announced as the wind surge. First one was the River Riders, the Wichita River Riders. Um, and that was because of the, the Arkansas River. Then there was the 29ers, uh, which was uh, named after the B-29 bomber. Uh, where it was uh, it was actually made in Wichita, although maybe more controversially, uh, also dropped the atom bombs on uh, on Nagasaki and uh, Hiroshima, so maybe not the greatest one to have. Um, and then the Wichita linemen after the uh, the wonderful Glenn Campbell song, and the Wichita doodars, which apparently <laughs> is uh, uh, it's a nickname for Wichita on the basis that it's in the middle of the nowhere, so in the middle of the doodars, so to speak. So, um, round we go. Uh, which do you prefer? Uh, I'll start with you, Pete. Is it the River Riders, 29ers, Linemen, Doodars, or Wind Surge? <laughs> Rob, you've absolutely you've got me in bits here <laughs> with the Doodars. Oh, my Lord. Just spell Doodars for me, just so I'm clear. Um <laughs> Do D double O hyphen Dars D A H S. Okay, just checking. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got to rule that one out. Unfortunately, just you know, you, you can't have that. What when I when I hear them, the one that rings a bell, just the the wind surge again, feels a little bit strange. I guess what they're trying to do is. There's some geographical relevance to these in kind of, in there's some loose connections seemingly to these names. So I get what they're trying to do. Wichita Lineman, from memory, that used to run a lot in the Grand National or in Cheltenham. There was a horse called Wichita Lineman. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to actually search that now because that's why it's in my head. Wichita Lineman. So at the it's, moment, Rob, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, it's a fine Glenn Campbell song as well. Um, yeah, a bit of a classic. Is it a horse, that... though, as well? Am I wrong in that? Sorry? It, is it, it a horse? Does anyone else recognise that as a horse? Uh, well, <laughs> sure. Here we I go, yeah. Then... Which is alignment, yeah. Here we go. It's it's won a couple of races at Cheltenham. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Right, right up your street there, Pete. Then so um, that's, that's, funny. <laughs> yeah. that's me. I'm going Wichita lineman would have been my preference, but I'm, you know, I'm open to the wind surge. So Lee, out of that lot, uh, not, none of them seem to scream, you know, great names. I actually prefer the first one, the river, or what was it, river, river. riders? Yeah, I actually prefer that one. I think to. I mean, the wind surge isn't actually. I mean, in in here and the others, yeah, the, the, the wind surge is, is you know isn't too bad actually, but yeah, yeah, the river riders, yeah, yeah, sounds you know, okay to me. Dan, that's the one I pick. I'm going to be a little bit controversial, and I actually quite like the wind surge only because of the the headline puns that you could use, like the uh, to. <laughs> blow the opponents away and surge to another victory and that sort of side of it. So uh, I quite like the wind surge. But now I've heard doodars. I mean, <laughs> the, the dog's doodars. That's the <laughs> that's, that's, that's a winner for me. <laughs> I'm just thinking, guys, can you imagine 
rolling into next year, announcing the Wichita Dudas and the open and, and the roster is Jesus Sanchez, Monte Harrison, Lewin Diaz, Jazz Chisholm for the Dudas. <laughs> just... Yeah, you're right. It can't ever be allowed to happen. No, that's terrific. No. Key so... question for you, mate. Follow up. What's the merch like, mate? Yeah, that's true. Seen the jerseys? No, I, I have. Yeah, I've seen some. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, the merch looks fine. It looks good. Yeah, and but one of the nice things is that it's got it's basically a W uh, with a Pegasus horse in in the background. Now there's um, just to, to to follow up a little bit on the logo. There was a lot of marketing spiel about there's a yellow to reflect the um, sunflowers of Kansas and blah 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 blah. But the the reality of it is actually the logo, the W logo, looks quite good. So when you put it on a on a baseball cap, it looks looks pretty smart. And um and they they, they it's uh I think it's red and blue are their sort of predominant colours. So it did look quite good. Um, uh, Describe did... to me the doodars logo, mate, if you can. <laughs> um, I, I haven't got it up in front of me. Um, I've got a funny feeling it was like green and white. It was a bit of a strange strange uh, thing. But anyway. Um, that's one you can look on uh, where Wichita's uh, Twitter later on. But um, sadly, it's not, it's, we're not to, to be the doodars. We are the wind surge. Um, so um, the, the, Kansas is a windy state. It's the second windiest state in the US. And there's a lot of history about, um, uh, you know, that they, they've used the winds to, you know, they, they had these sort of strange like Flintstones type sort of vehicles with sails on that they used to go across the plains on so there is there is a little bit of history behind it that which can about the wind it is windy but beyond that it doesn't roll off the tongue um and um uh, but that's not important what is important is we've got a triple a facility um with a really really good team with some smart merch and it should be really good. They should be a great side, and hopefully the the locals get behind them, mm. and uh, they end up having a good season. Because ultimately, this is our our final proving ground for our future Marlins. Awesome, mate. Well, top top summary that, and top top historical knowledge as well. So well done to you, mate. When. When it announced the wind surge, equally, I then had to work out where the hell Wichita was. Um, but from my own perspective, it's useful because my brother lives relatively nearby in, in the outskirts of St. Louis, which is, you know, it's commutable, let's say. Um, I'm going to work exactly. I'm going to work out how far that it is from St. Louis to there right now while we're on this. But I'd say it's a couple of hours away. Kansas City, like um, the city where the Royals play is like a three hour drive from my brother's place. So I don't know. We'll see where it is, but um, what's in you, you right, mate, new, new town or new city, new name, new merch and new look lineup as well. And those names I rattled off earlier, you know, that's the a realistic view going into the start of the triple A season. You're going to have a lineup, which will look pretty impressive. I think in many ways of, Jesus, Monte Harrison, Lewin Diaz, Jazz Chisholm, with various others knocking around. Pitching-wise, there'll be plenty there. Depends what's where Sixto's at. But, I mean, 
the wind surge could be the team to watch next year, really, from a Marlins perspective. I mean, you know, a lot can change and a lot can happen between now and spring training and after that and halfway through the season. But, you know, it should be exciting. Um, let's, let's kind of segue then into, guys, you know, some real meat of where we're at right now in that there's, you know, I think we need to look at what our strategy is and what it will be over the next couple of months, you know, what are the key needs from a Marlins big league perspective and try and look at what they are and work out what potential moves could or should happen along the way. Um, ahead of this pod, guys, I did a little bit of research. You'll be absolutely gobsmacked to, to, to hear. And I, I started to try and list down Marlin, you know, big league priorities, Number one, which was in bold, underlined italic in, in font 20, was an impact or power bat, middle of the lineup. Um, and I guess where they would actually play position-wise, you would suggest first base or outfield for me. Um, so somewhere along the way, the Marlins will need to address that. They'll need to... The reality is we were last in home runs and second last in runs scored, so... It doesn't take a rocket scientist to to kind of hone in on that one. Um, we'll come to who those options could and should be. Next in, in line for me is bullpen help and a lot of it. Um, we've got some names we need to run through about who could be in the mix this year from the existing roster <laughs> who may all be on the outside looking in. Um, catcher needs to be addressed as well. Maybe not to replace Alfaro as maybe the everyday or such catcher, but um, Holiday is a free agent, elected free agency, I believe. Um, so we're going to need to look at, you know, some maybe another catching option. Um, and then I guess the other decisions then really are the future of some of the guys knocking around who are on the fringe at the moment. And this comes back to a question raised by, by Sean on Twitter. And he asked, what are the Marlins going to do with Chen, Arania and Riddle? So we'll, we'll, we'll touch upon those as well. Um, and equally what the future may hold for, for our man Lewis. So thoughts on those priority guys. So just to recap, priority impact, bats, power bat, something like that. Bullpen help and a lot of it and catcher. I mean... Agree, disagree, have I missed anything? Yeah, I'll say in yeah, and most probably position wise it's probably first base. I just say I'm probably a power bat well, a power bat first and I'd ideally ideally he plays first base. Because Cooper, you know, he's all right, he's good there, but he's injury prone all the time, so you can't really rely on him. And he can play in the outfield field as well. So yeah, power bat. First baseman, yeah, and I probably agree. You know, it's going to be the bullpen which needs sorting. You know, who's going to be the closer? You know, the the, the roles need you know, you know need sorting out as well. So yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say we we definitely do do, do need a power battle or, or or two even. Okay, you know, sure. The lineup. All right, Dan, mate, you're in the hot seat, mate. Michael Hill, Derek Jeter, you're pulling the trigger on someone. I'm going to give these names to you, mate, that I believe would best fit our needs. And what I mean by that is 
a first baseman that can, with some pop, that we can sign on a max, let's say, two-year deal. I don't think we want to be going into the six-year crazy money. I mean, that doesn't exist anyway for the first basemen that are there. We're not going to ever do that. But give me these names, mate. Tell me what you think is most likely, because I think maybe one of these names will happen. So, Justin Smoke. I do love that name. He smoked it. (laughs) (laughs) Justin Smoke. Mitch Moreland. Eric Thames. Matt Adams. Justin Bohr. Hmm. Yeah, I think that um, uh, your the summary in terms of what we need, I think he's spot on I, in, the, in that exact order. I would say I agree also with Lee about yep, um, first baseman, power bat, bullpen, catcher. I would I totally agree with that order. Um, when you look at what we did last year, I mean, what did we bring in? Grandy Man, Walker. Walker. I think that was about it. Also, I'm missing one other, maybe. I can't see it being much different this year, if I'm being honest. As you just said, I don't think we're going to be getting any six-year mega money deals or anything like that. I think I quite like, apart from smoke because of the name, I quite like, um, yeah, maybe Mitch Morland. I think that might be a good shout. Yeah. I wouldn't mind mind taking on Mitch for a year. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, But yeah, I I, I agree with that outline. And I'm not expecting really anything major um, this year, I think um, it will be much of the same again, and the progression of of the uh, the guys coming up and showing, you know, continuing from the good work they did last year. But yeah, I, I think out of that list, yeah, probably if it was me on Michael Hill, I'd, I'd explore Morland, Mitch Morland. Okay, interesting, mate. Rob, I've got another left field shout for you, mate, and it links to <clears throat> the catcher position, and. It's fair to say that the best catcher available is Yasmani Grandal, um, this year anyway. There's a few others, I think, that are interesting uh, as well. I, for some reason, I'm drawn to Travis Darno, but, uh, you know, I've always thought he's had the talent, but he's, he's never stayed healthy, so that's a bit of a, a red flag. But let's put that aside. Yasmani Grandal is the, the headline catcher available, in my opinion, this year. And would it be totally left field or first base, let's say, just for argument's sake, but would it be left field of us to think, let's go and get Grandal, somehow convince him. There'd be a lot of interest in him, so I'm not saying he would choose the Marlins, but let's say we went, you know what, we'll hammer in on Grandal. And in reality, him and Alfaro both have spent a little bit of time at first base. Definitely Grandal has spent time at first base. And you could end up answering, you know, we're not sure about Alfaro. Is he the is he the right fit? Is he not? Um, is he just going to strike out too much anyway? Let's go and get Grandal, and then add the power bat. The power bat becomes Alfaro or Grandal at first base as well anyway, and you end up playing the both of them. Is that too left field? No, because we we do have a, a catcher. I think is a, a position where are oh, pretty weak in really because you Alfaro's. You know, proved he can play well in that position. Is he, you know, the best player and uh, best catcher in the league? Or no, we've, 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 we traded that one away for. <laughs> so, you know, but even so, I, he's definitely MLB standard. The problem he has is obviously striking out. So if he solved that, 
then it's it, I, I think the story partly goes away. But what doesn't go away? I thought Brian Holiday did superb, and I would I would have personally offered him a contract as backup because you think of all the other players that we had uh, coming into you know Wilkin Castillo and and uh, it was it was it was anyone who's left really. And the big other problem we've got is um, in, we touched on it very very briefly during the season. But Will Banfield is the the real hope that's coming through the system. He had a really good season uh, as a as a catcher, but not with a bat. I think he was about two hundred for the whole season, and so it is it is a little bit of a struggle for um, to to look down and see the qualities in there. So I think it runs a little bit deeper. I think we need a lot more depth at catcher because if Alfaro gets injured, you're really not you're really stuck. When it comes to Grandal, I think it's I think it's way too far out of the shower. He'll be looking to go for a, you know, he's he's had his seasons with the Dodgers. He went to the Brewers. Um, actually, to be honest with you, his numbers, if you just look on the face of them compared to Alfaro's, aren't a million miles off. What is a bit different is the RBIs. He's very high in walks. So if you, if you can sort of the strikeout walks is, is the big, big gulf between mm-hmm. the two. Um, Alfaro doesn't really walk very much. Um, so um, it's, it's a brilliant shout, but it ain't going to be him. Um, and it's going to be Alfaro. They just need someone else. They're going to have to bring someone else in as a backup. I'd rather see it to be holiday, but um, I, I'm actually struggling. I, we would talk about this in the last podcast. I'm struggling to see another catcher. Dano is a good shout because he's excellent apart from an injury problem with the with the Mets that got him released. Um but um you know uh, yeah um it I I don't think I'd I'd go big here. Where where we do need to go big is in the outfield. Well good segue mate. Let's let's talk about outfielders that address the power the power as well. And you know there's one that I think we will rule out is a return from the for the big bear, Marcel. He received that uh, qualifying offer or whatever it's whatever it may be called, <laughs> which in effect is a is an offer of what seventeen odd million in the one year seventeen odd million deal. Um, he's turned it down, but because he's been offered it, the net result is that if the Marlins then sign him, we give up our second highest pick. Is that correct? Is that the way it works? Something like that, anyway. We have to give up a trade pick, and it'll be a high one because we're not great. And so the consensus on that, and I, what I mean by the consensus is Craig Misch's view on that is um, the Marlins will not be doing that. So that rules out Ozuna. He's looking for a big payday, and uh, he'll find it somewhere, but it won't be with us. So... The other ones that are being mooted, guys, so, Lee, I'll come to you on this. I don't know how much you know about these guys, but the other ones that are being mooted for me that I've heard a lot of buzz on are the uh, Castellanos, uh, who finished up with the Cubs last year, if I remember correctly. Um, he's knocking around and mentioned quite heavily. You've got, and I suppose the question there would be how much, you know, what, A, how good is he, and B, how much you got to pay him? You know, for how long? Uh, I think are the, th- the key questions there. Yasel, Yasel Puig's also knocking around. Love the name Puig, so I'm happy to take him. I liked what I saw from him. Where was he last year having fights? Where was that? 
Reds was he? Yeah, Reds. Yeah. Reds. Yeah. So he was he was involved in those brawls with the Reds, wasn't he? So I enjoyed watching Puig a bit last year. So Puig's been mentioned. The other one I, that we've also mentioned earlier on is Eric Thames, because obviously he is an outfielder but played a bit of first base last year for the Brewers. Um, I, for me, Thames should be a no-brainer, really. He he hits it miles. He can play first base or the outfield. He's ideal. Tell you also caught my attention. Two other guys, just throw to you, Lee, and just see what you think. Cameron Mabin, as a you know veteran, he's been there before. It's an option. Or... If you want to go back to the outfield, has a bit of pop. Adam Jones. So again, mate, you've got the you've got the hat on. You're, you're pulling the trigger on one of them. <clears throat> you're trying not to sink the franchise into financial ruin again. Um, which way are you going there, mate? Yes, yeah, uh, it sounds hard to say because in terms of years, I wouldn't say I'd give any of them you know, that long a contract, really. I mean, Castellanos you know, had a few good seasons now, so you probably could rely on him for sort of 25 home runs, you know, 80, you know, RBIs. But again, I I wouldn't spend too big on, on him when we got some outfielders, you know, you know, in the the minors as well, which is which is I mean Puig. I don't think he's he's ever really lived up to the hype of, of, of when he came in with the Dodgers. You know, he's more known for for him rather than than what he's done done you know on the field field wise, but of course being is he Cuban is he is he from Cuba? Or oh, he's around that you know, that area, so he might he might bring <laughs> a generalization. But, he yeah, says he says to four English guys on a on a UK market. He is podcast, Cuban. So he is he Cuban. Is Cuban. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Love so, it. Yeah. So, so so he so he would actually be good in terms of maybe getting. Getting some bums, you know, in the seats, Ooh, and uh, and and he would be, and he uh, and he he would be be fun fun to watch. But again, I'd only give him like a two year deal. I wouldn't go too too crazy on him. I mean, so all those names, Castellanos is probably the one I'd go I'd go for. Maybe give him a three year deal. But like I say, because we got so many players, you know, in the minors ready to come up in one or one or two years. Yeah, it's hard to say. To, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to give out long, you know, long-term deals when you don't want to block all our young young players now. Yeah. And let's be honest, we're not going to win next year. Probably even twenty twenty-one. You know, is probably probably you know asking a lot to actually be, be challenging fully. So I wouldn't go too mad. But out, out of them names, Castellanos is probably the one who's most likely. Yeah. Yeah, you make you make some interesting points on that front. And when I think about it more, as I'm sitting here right now, I start to think actually, it's not really about what their on-field product will be in many ways. I think they're going to maybe focus in on the off-field, on the intangibles, and you know, getting the right characters in the room or in the you know to help the younger guys. But, you know, because that's the feedback from Grandy and from Neil Walker and and Castro, to be fair, was they had were a real positive impact off the field with all the younger guys. Uh, if you wanted that, then Cameron Mabin is probably the best shout. I mean, he's, yeah. he's been, here, he's been here, here before. I mean, he, he's actually a former a Florida Marlin. You know, he's, you know, he's, been, he's, been, he's been, around, been around for so long. Mm. Uh, so, he, I mean, if you want someone who can, re- who can re- replace the Grandy role, then, then Mabin... 
you know, it's yeah. probably one and he'll probably come come cheap enough as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I I'd be interested to know, and I, I just don't know the answer to this, but I'm interested to know what kind of character Adam Jones is. Like off the field, I don't know that he's been around for years and hit home runs galore. Obviously, he didn't he didn't do as great last year? Was he with the O's? No, he was Rockies. I think wasn't the O's. Rockies, wasn't he? Sorry, yeah. Um, he didn't have a great year, but um, you know, again, interested in understand what his character's like. But I keep looking at Thames and thinking, <laughs> I again don't know what he's like as a person, and you know if that's in his in his makeup. But yeah, okay, interesting. You know, there's names out there, but you just think. Do you throw money at Castellanos and do, do we need to? You've got Jesus Sanchez ready to rock and roll next season. Halfway through the year, Jesus will be up. Monte Harrison probably would have been up at the back end of last year if he didn't hurt his wrist. So he's in the mix. And then you've got all the other guys who are already there. So you've got, you know, Harold knocking around. Is Cooper going to be playing out there? Is Brian Anderson going to be playing out there? You know, you think actually Brinson's in the mix, Bertie's in the mix. You know, you think why bother throwing any money at it when you've got these guys coming through very soon anyway? So I don't know. It's an interesting spot. Um, Dan the man, the other area that we haven't touched upon is bullpen. Before we dig into options there, I just want to, uh, we need to go through some names in terms of who we've got right now. <laughs> and, uh, and we need to work out if these guys are ever going to see a field again from a Marlins perspective. Mm. So I really I should have asked this to Lee because this was this was him. But Jose Reina in the bullpen <laughs> as the closer is that ever happening again? Um, I, oh God, I, I think <laughs> uh, it's really difficult because. Um, I don't really know what what we're going to expect off of off of Jose now. Whether he goes, does will he go back to? I mean, any one of those three, of the three possible scenarios could happen. I think because he could, he could go back to being a starter, and if he starts off hot, then suddenly he's an asset again because he, you know he was our number one. He started off as our opening day pitcher last year, so you know he's still got a skill set. So the part of me wants to see him get another shot there, but then. You know, I, I I like the idea as Lee was sort of campaigning last year. I like the idea of him as a closer, but I don't know whether or not we've tried it and it's not worked, and whether that was it. And then you also wouldn't be surprised if he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't play anymore. You know, that if he if he goes as part of a trade. So I I don't know. I think uh, I think that if it was down to me, then yeah, at the moment I would stick him in the bullpen only because. It just it's so thin. I just don't see what we've got there as an option at the moment. Well, good segue, mate, because here are your options right now. <laughs> Ryan Stanek is in. Harlan Garcia are in. They're in. Okay. In. Let me let me rattle off a few other names for, for you and we'll see how we get on. <laughs> Adam Conley. Remember him? Yeah. <laughs> is he is he anywhere near the bullpen next year for the Marlins? Mm, no, not for me. Okay, Tehran Guerrero. <laughs> he was a bit up and down. He was a bit up and down. Um, <laughs> Literally up and down. Yes. <laughs> <literally. laughs> uh, well, again, I would, I would, yeah, I, I wouldn't be thrilled. Really, no. Again, no. Gone. Here's another man for you. You may not remember his name, but he's still around. Drew Steckenrider. Blimey, he's still around. 
Still around. Didn't even have Tommy John. Blimey. Um, well, if he's out, so that I, I didn't even know he was still around. So um, no, he's <laughs> no, he's gone. <laughs> Mate, there's no better place to finish this segment up on than Wei Chen. Oh yeah, definitely. He's in. Love he's him. In. He's <laughs> captain of the bullpen. Yeah. He's, he's in only in because he's got to bloody earn some money. You know, he can't just be doing nothing. He's got to at least earn some money. So he's in. Yeah. I think that was Rob's view as well, wasn't it, Rob? I think I saw on Twitter you were saying that this week that still need an innings either, no matter whether we keep Chen or not. Yeah. So you've got to pay for him. So why not have him there as the innings eater? If if the game's gone and he yeah. just needs someone just to just sit there for you know four or five innings and you don't really care then he's the guy to do it. Why not? You don't really, you know, he's, he's not going to be anything else, is he? He's not going to be a closer or anything. Uh, and and be, to be fair, he did, there are patches last year where he was okay, but you are trying to squeeze someone who was a, a you know, a, a rotation pitcher into being a bullpen pitcher who's, you know, got, who's sort of below on all metrics. So he's, is you know slow. He's pitching. There's there's nothing fancy about any of his secondary pitches. He is just what he is. And um, if you've got a lovely big ballpark, like we we saw, forget about last season. Think about the 2018 season where he was so good at home because most of the balls were being caught in the edge of the outfield on the warning track. Whereas if you can't do that on any other um, you know MLB ground because that's well out for a home run. So yeah. Um, he'll be there as our, our innings eater, I think. I, 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 as you say, you've got to bring in someone else. Mm. Um, but one thing just to note is that Marlins could, in theory, get in trouble. And the reason being is that there is this whole profit sharing thing, which is all a bit complicated. I don't really get it about how bigger clubs share you know, revenues mm. down to the smaller clubs. Now, the Marlins had the lowest payroll last year, and at the moment, it is ridiculously low. It is about at the moment sitting around ten percent of what like the 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 Astros and Giants and a few others are. There is it is you know we're we're sitting at about I think committed under thirty million, and twenty of that is in Wei and Chen. Uh, <laughs> so it's um, and we could get in trouble for not spending. And already, I think there was grumblings over a couple of years ago. So uh, th- mm. they will have to spend and there will be some bigger names in there. It's not, I, I think Castellanos will go somewhere else, unfortunately. I think he is the right guy. But you've got um, Avi Garcia, Maybin's a good shout. I'm not sure about Puig. I never really liked the guy that much. Um, but yet again, on the outfield, we haven't mentioned Jesus Sanchez. Why not just put him straight in there as, as your right fielder, you know? Um, there's we've got options where we don't particularly need to, um, you know, just suddenly fill it full of, you know, players like Neil Walker are great, but you know, players like Granderson are great because they give that experience. You want someone like that in there or a Prado. You don't need three of them. You need one person like that. And where they go is 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 fairly irrelevant. I quite like Scooter Jeanette as well. Um, former Reds player, I think. I think we will need some help in the infield. I know we, everyone's talking about Ezon Diaz and all the rest of it, but people get, you know, players get injured, and who else is going to go at the second base? You're going to have to start putting Miggy in the second base and all the rest of that. So, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, Bertie. I know there there is cover options, but why not bring on? Talking about infield, mate. Here we go. Here's here's a left field call for you on the infield options. I'll give this. I'll put this name out there and see what your reaction is. D D Gregorius. Well, I hope Joe Fasaro isn't uh, listening to this because uh, he ended up blocking fish stripes after they mentioned that in, in, a, in a very weird outburst. But um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Joe. Sorry, yeah, buddy. I, um, no, I, I think it's on the basis that, that DD is a bit far-fetched. I don't think he's a right fit, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he's... Uh, Didi's quite out there, isn't he, as a, as a person, a player? And I'm, I'm not sure with a uh, you know a young squad, maybe he's, he's he's not a Curtis Granderson, is he? You know, I think that's the best way of putting it. Well, well put, mate. Very political on that front, um, and that, I guess that goes back to what we we're saying. It isn't all about the tools that they have to offer right now. I think the fit has to be right culturally, let's say. Um, but you know, he's out there. Um, who else they're saying is out there potentially? So <clears throat> I mentioned this name at the start, and you said we've got to spend some money somewhere, mate. We have to. Um, for me, what I could see as the value deal out there is Zach Wheeler as a left field value call. Bear with me, but when I was looking at the options, thinking about the rotation, thinking, right, rotation-wise, where we are, you know, we know Sandy, we know Caleb, we know Pablo, we know if he's healthy, but he, you know, there's a, there's a concern there. There's a few others knocking around below that, but let's be honest last year we rounded out with, um, you know, Eliezer was knocking around and Noessi was knocking around. Duggar was knocking around. You know, we obviously traded away Zach Gallum. So Arania, there's question marks. Is he back? Is he not? I personally, for Rainier, think his bullpen days are done. I think he, if they bring him back and they pay him $3 million, whatever the number will be in arbitration, um, he'll be back as a rotation piece, uh, as a bottom-of-the-rotation guy. I still think that's a decent option. However, what I do think is Zach Wheeler, and to put it into context here, he last year the Nats signed Patrick Corbin, uh, six years, 140 mil. For, for Patrick Corbin. I think Wheeler will be targeting that type of money. When you look at their year leading into free agency, they delivered really similar years, really similar in all in all the metrics. So Wheeler is in effect the, the, 20, the 2020 version of what was Patrick Corbin, who then went on to do really well and win a World Series with the Nats. And... Six years, 140 mil. For me, it feels okay. Um, I don't know. I'm just thinking, is that an option? And equally, the other thing to think as well, this year, the, the, free, the free agency market for starting pitchers is a lot stronger than it was the year before because you've got Cole, Strasbourg, Bumgarner, Ryu, plenty of other names knocking around. So Wheeler is, I guess, like a tier two, tier three, tier two option. I think that's probably the fair assessment of that. So, um, am I crazy? Is that a bad suggestion? You know, would it be money well spent? Is he going to block anyone? I don't know. Lee, thoughts, mate? Zach Wheeler. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a, be a bad shout. 
you know, like you're saying, he, he's had a good good career. I know he's had his in you know some injury issues before, so it depends how you know, if you want to commit to commit to six years. I mean, he's been injury free. I think the last the last two two years or so. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad shout as as a third fourth starter. Yeah, for for yeah for the for the rotation, as you say, we got Sandy locked in, Pablo, Caleb. So yeah, as as a four, it's not a bad shout because we've got our sixth already. And that's the thing. Again, it comes back to how much do we want to commit now, knowing we have, you know, you know, you know the miners is stacked. So do we want to then commit loads of money now, and then we're gonna have gonna have have too many? I mean, well, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it's not not a bad thing thing to have in total, yeah. total you know, too many, but yeah, then we don't we don't want to be paying someone because we might end up end up with end up with a Chen, you know, you know, like situation where you're paying someone, someone, someone to do to do nothing really. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, <laughs> maybe I like saying it depends what he's gonna want. I wouldn't six years is probably a bit too much for me, but that's that maybe what it takes to get him. So if we could get him on say three years. Then I might, but then again, you wonder: Is there any point in doing it for three years when we're not when we're not going to be challenging for those three years? Is is it is it just a waste of money then? But yeah, I guess this comes back to what our timeline is. Yeah, but yeah, as I'm saying, it's tough because he because he, he he would be be a decent shout. But I think if, if this was next off season, mm. it might be be a better time time to to you know like to do it. But for this year. I mean, I, I'm happy with going in with six toe, you know, starting, you know, go go, go straight out the gate. I I don't see there's any any need to, to keep him keep him in, you know, the you know the miners now. I mean, we we did it with with Jose. He came straight in, start start the season. Mm. So I know they do it because of all that time, you know, rubbish about you know not coming out till May for you know just like start start the clock. But I mean, if we did it. I wouldn't be, you know, un unhappy with it, you know, but I I don't think they they will commit that much yet for yeah. for Wheeler, and I think he'll probably go somewhere else as well. Yeah, I think I think you when we break it down, mate. I think your summary will likely be bang on. <laughs> um, I was just what what intrigued me with it. This is why I thought, hmm, wonder if you could get someone because the market's loaded a bit this year. Yeah. Could you get a Patrick Corbin at a discount, let's say, because the money's going to be thrown, you know, there's only so much money to go around for the, you know, for the market. Um, you know, could you get him four years, don't know, 60 mil, whatever, uh, you know, at that price, and is it even worth? I guess that's the question you're asking as well. Do we need to pay? We need to pay someone. Um, <laughs> you know, we need we need someone to be playing. I just wonder as well: is Zach Wheeler a sexy enough name? Like, it doesn't sound like a sexy name either, does it? So you you kind of put off a little bit by that. Um, you know. So okay, mate. Um, Dan, I've got I've got a blockbuster trade option for you though, mate. Yes. I know you like blockbuster trades. So, you know, one guy who I think I think it's pretty clear is on the market and the price is high is Frankie Lindor. Um, I I think he's got two years to run on his deal. So whatever you give up, it's in the knowledge that you've got to re-sign him after two years. Um, 
So that, I think, kind of going back to Lee's point about our timeline, maybe doesn't sink. But if the price was right, and what I'm, I don't know what the price would be, but it would be high, Frankie Lindor as an option? Yeah, I think it, it, it comes down to like, what, exactly what you just said. It's, it's all about the timeline. Uh, if, um, if, it's only for, if it's two years, it's just not worth it because what, you know, what we'd probably have to give up um for what two uncompetitive years it, it probably isn't worth it but uh yeah i mean um the, the, everything else ticks the box so is is yeah exactly what what i would you know we should be looking at and targeting but uh, yeah if it's only going to be for that sort of timeline then no it's not it's it's just not feasible for me mm. i get the sense as i as i think more about this the off season opportunities i get the sense that we're going to be maybe more active in the trade market than we are in the free agency side. I, I just see the way, you know, the farm is stocked right up now. And I guess to get there, we've had to absolutely gut the major league team. So, you know, we've got to be careful not to just end up back with status quo with, you know, a heavily loaded major team and no, no depth. So it's a fine balance, but I just get the sense the guys at the moment the phone is always open, you know, the hotlines are always open and the Marlins have got a lot of good players and I just feel like that's going to be maybe more where we're active this year and, you know, those trades that caught us off guard last on, on the trade deadline, you know, that Zach Gallon one was an absolute left fielder, wasn't it? Let's be totally honest and, you know, they committed to Jazz Chisholm and, you know, we should see him next year, I think, Jazz, uh, at some point. I don't think he'll start in, you know, up in the major leagues. But you know, I think I think the trades are the way to go. And it's gonna, I think, you know, like we said at the last at the end of the last pod, expect the unexpected maybe. So, yeah, we'll see. What? Let's circle back, mate. You, you, you and Sean asked a question regarding Brinson and what the future holds for Lewis. Um. I know you were going to ask it, but I'll ask it to you, mate, because, well, you know, you've probably prepped this up, mate, but how do you see it playing out for him, mate? I know he's, he's a high-profile guy. And just thinking about what we were just talking about, trades, Yeah, is maybe that the way out for Lewis? Yeah, Brinson. probably. I mean, it's it's difficult for well, all of us on this podcast. I think we're all quite high on Lewis. Mm. Um, I, I'd, I'd like nothing more than for him to be a success, but I just, I don't know, I, I, I just look at it now and think that maybe the time's gone. And it, if 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 we're going to be looking at a trade, then do you think that another team could look at him and think, well, we could bring out what maybe didn't happen in Miami because he has got talent. He has got talent. I mean, he, he was he's very highly thought of. I think that that could be something that could be explored. I, personally, I would like to see maybe one more chance, but I just I just don't think he's going to get given it. I, I can see it being. Um, going that way and maybe that is a sensible thing to do if we're going to look at uh, adding in the areas that we do need because we could probably fill in for him now we've got we've got enough cover um, so I think that um, it might be might be time up but I just don't know what you guys think I'm not so sure I think I've, I, I think you'll see how it goes in spring training he's had two good spring trainings in a row yeah. not good seasons but he, he I'm not sure what 
it's going to be interesting to see where the Marlins go from here over the next few months because you'll get an idea of their strategy. If we end up with you know very little movement, just the odd player here and there, then you know full well they're going to keep that core and roll with it for another year, just just bringing in that extra strength that's coming through the minor system. If they really, really start to change, if you if you see Chen released and and lots of other bits and pieces going on, I think they're they're going to going to really sort of tackle the the major league side and make it more exciting. It, it's kind of like it's it's the final piece in the puzzle for the Marlins because they've got this whole kind of a strategy of, of building up the farm system, but the crowds are poor, and Jeet has recognised that and said there needs to be more excitement. So they're going to have to do something, but it depends on what level they go to. Are you going to get that excitement with Luis Diaz being at first base? He's having a, a terrific time at the moment over in the in winter ball. You know, are, are we going to get that with uh, Jesus Sanchez coming through as well? Is that going to be a bit more of an exciting thing? Or are you going to get it by bringing in a Nick Castellanos, uh, bringing in someone who's, yeah, completely left field, like a, like a you know, a Wheeler or a Grandal or someone like that? Um, will they surprise us? Uh, I think we'll get that idea. If they do surprise us, then maybe that's the end for Brinson. If not, then he's part of that core. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, guys, there's a, one final question from uh, from the Twitter thread. It's from Roto, and it kind of goes into this this area, so I think it's a good time to ask it. It's from, it's from Ryan at Roto Tricks, you know, a good friend of the show and been on the show once before himself, so hope you're doing well, Ryan. Um, he asked, which which of these outfielders, outfield prospects, are we most excited about? And do you think any will be ready to contribute in 2020? I fear this is a selfish question from Ryan because he'll be he'll be working away in his uh, his, his dynasty fantasy leagues, looking for stashes that no one knows about, and naturally targeting the lowly Marlins. But anyway, the list the list is this, guys. So you know, we'll we'll go round round it up here. JJ Bladé. Jesus Sanchez, Peyton Burdick, or Cameron Meisner? Who are you most excited about? And are any going to contribute in 2020? Lee Dobbs? Uh, I mean, the easy answer to that is probably San- Sanchez. I'm not sure the others will we will we, we even see next year. So, so and Sanchez, like you're saying, I mean, he may even start, you know, you know, straight out the gate, you know, you know in, in April. So I... I think it's Sanchez. The others, obviously, are exciting to see, but I think 2020 is probably a year, year too early, at least, for, you know, for like Meisner and, 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 and the others. So, so Sanchez would be the one to target, you know, for, you know, for like fantasy-wise. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to be picking him up, mate? You're in the same league as me, so. Yeah, I might do. Stash him in there. <laughs> exactly. Any, any advances on that, Dan, or similar similar thoughts? Yeah, similar thoughts. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see the progression of all of them because I think they've all been really highly thought of. Um, JJ Bleday probably uh, would be the next one in line. Um, so, yeah, I'm really I'm going to keep an eye on their progress, definitely. But, yeah, I think I agree with Lee that, yeah, there's going to be, um, yeah, Sanchez is going to be the one I think that could, could come straight in. Yeah. Rob? Uh, yeah, so obviously Sanchez is, is a, a grade above the others as the other three came through in the 2019 draft. Um, although it has to be said that they're already quite advanced already. Burdick uh, and Meisner uh, were in the Lumber Kings. Um, and so they went kind of went straight in pretty much. Uh, I, th- I think they, they, they started off in the, uh, um, in, in the 
in the first level um, before working their way up into uh, into uh, a ball. But um, uh, JJ Blade um, was in went straight into the Jupiter Hammerheads. Of course, he was the the round one pick from the the star from Vanderbilt's um, college. So uh, you know, and uh, I think for the the question, the answer to Ryan is uh, is I think you'll see Sanchez pretty soon if not in the 40 man uh, sorry in in the in the 26 man um uh, roster for opening day it depends how his spring training goes but i think you'll see him very very soon in regards to who you should stash away well, of course blade is is the guy you know we're expecting really I, i'm kind of hoping to see blade maybe in september time um you'll definitely see him in spring training um uh, and you know he had a it had a had a, had a decent first considering he went straight into uh, Jupiter he didn't have too bad a, a season 140 at bats so a, a lightish start uh, 19 RBIs an average of 257 690 OPS so um, considering he went straight into that level that shows potential you'd expect him to kick on this year Meisner did quite well in in Clinton, the two seventy six average, twenty RBIs, uh, so a good bit of power there, and um, and so did Burdick with uh, with fifty nine RBIs, so uh, looked very impressive indeed. Quite a few uh, walks also from Burdick, so it looks like you've got someone with good patience at the plate as well. Um, that, that that's an interesting one to look out for, um, and uh, we know that Ryan likes a good old stolen base. And I think out of that lot, your uh, your best bet for a, a stolen base uh, looks like it might be coming from uh, Cameron Meisner. He picked up uh, 11 last year uh, in a total of 163 at-bats. Um, but, um, yeah. So um, the, the answer to that is Sanchez definitely next year. Uh, otherwise, I'd stash away all three of those because you will see them in 2021 probably. Love it. That is... It's like you'd, you'd even had that question in advance of this podcast, which I can confirm you didn't. So, Rob Newell, in the clean-up spot. It's, uh, it's a joy to behold, I must say. So, um, guys, I, I, I think that's the perfect way to, to end it. That's, that's all of the Twitter questions answered, unless uh, I've missed any, which I, I don't think I have. Um, I think that's covered all the areas in terms of World Series, Wind Surge, and Zach Wheeler was the agenda that I gave it uh, in advance. So all topics covered. Um, I think, guys, do you know what? Just one final thing. We'll leave it at this, and we'll just have a quick round the horn, a prediction, a signing prediction that we are making now on what date are we? We are the 19th of November. I want one name from you that the Marlins will sign this offseason. Take it as you well, I'll go first. I'll let you guys ponder if that's okay. I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put my flag in the ground next to Eric Thames and his huge biceps. <laughs> Eric Thames will be a Marlin. Dan the man, any advances? Um Screw it. We'll we'll go with uh, with Wheeler. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Love it, mate. Love it. What's his contract, mate? Then give us your contract overview there. Um. Oh. Too much. Uh, 
yeah, too much, too much. Yeah, uh, we 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 got money to spend, and we've got to spend it. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna spend it all on that uh, on wheeler. All right, <laughs> love it, mate. Well, of course I love that. That was my suggestion. So yeah, love it, mate. Lee Dobbs, go on, mate. Give it to me. Stop uh, scrolling through the MLB uh, free agent <laughs> list. <laughs> I reckon we. Yes, help. We we will sign him to get bums in seats. Yeah, I like it, mate. Good. You got your management hat on now. <laughs> Mike Hill, watch out for your job. <laughs> Go on in, Rob. Who's that? Who's the guy? Who is the guy we're taking? Avi Garcia. I think he did. Uh, he's been a bit up and down. He's had some good seasons, bad seasons. He did pretty well for the Rays last year. I think he's a, a decent fit for us as, a, as an outfield option. Nice. Nice, mate. I haven't mentioned. don't think we mentioned him on this pod already, so. Nice, good. Well, there you go. 19th of November predictions from the boys. I'm going to be interested to see how many of these actually come true. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Guys, I want to thank you boys for, for joining me again. Uh, great to get back together. Six weeks was a little bit too long, I feel. So uh, let's let's endeavour to, to get another one in the books uh, quicker than six weeks, let's say, anyway. Um, I know everyone's busy doing other things anyway. And uh, for those for those of you who, who follow the heat, um, please, please be sure to to follow Dan's other passion and uh, Dan's uh, running and managing the Miami Heat UK fan page and Twitter account. You've got a website going on and also a a weekly podcast, Dan, if that's correct. Yeah. Now the season's up and running. It's um, uh, well, as close as I can get to weekly. So, yes, weekly it's all up and running. Yeah, awesome, mate. And it's heating up the UK. Correct. Yes, heating follow me on you. all uh, platforms that you get your podcast from. You can subscribe, follow, and enjoy. Awesome, mate. It's... And Taco Tuesday. I listened to that. What was uh, that? Yeah, this know. is um, this is my, uh, my my brother's venture. Um, he's an NBA nut like me, and my cousin as well. So um, he started up their Taco Tuesday podcast, which is uh, a LeBron James. Um, uh, sort of thing that he's he sort of made famous um, last year, and we've uh, we've stolen the name, so we fully fully uh, expect to get sued for that. Um, but uh, <laughs> but that's uh, us free. Whereas my heating up the UK one is purely Miami Heat based. Um, if you like the heat, then come drop in this one. Taco Tuesday pod is, is all about just the NBA in general, and it's just three lads from the UK dribbling for an hour or so um, about the NBA. So um, yeah, if you want to. Uh, drop in on that then please do awesome mate well i'm glad i'm glad it's going well mate i'm glad you're enjoying that and i'm glad equally you've not forgotten your roots as well absolutely um, you know you know where it all started for you mate and when you when you propel into <laughs> into stardom you'll remember us um, i'll get you to sign this new marlins jersey of mine on the way out oh it's got time for my for my fish family there you go. Awesome. Boys, um, we'll be back soon. Um, thank you to the listeners as well. Uh, we'll we will be back soon, I promise. Uh, please do keep in touch uh, over Twitter. Uh, hit us up with any questions or themes or topics you want us to get into. Uh, for now, that is episode 32 in the books, and we will be back very soon. Thanks for listening, guys. See you soon. <laughs>